Welcome back. <laughs> another Wednesday, another week, an almost full moon. And my goodness, how's your week going? <laughs> this is a busy one for me. It's also kind of like an all hands on deck, putting my blinders on kind of week. So I'm popping in, I'm popping out. But you know, one of the best parts of hosting a podcast is getting to meet all of these amazing people. And, you know, someone, a friend of mine and I were talking the other day about my guests and the people that I've had on this podcast. And, you know, I just, I love finding people that really speak to my soul. I don't care what age they are, I don't care where they've come from, I don't care about the color of their skin or anything. I care about do they speak to my soul? Are they someone who really stands out to me? And those are the people that I love to have on my podcast. And so I hope you've been enjoying these interviews. I hope you go back to listen to them, to check out different people because there's you know, there's wisdom in each one. My role as an interviewer, well, you know, I keep trying to perfect it and get better at it and I'm never going to quit trying to do that so that I can just really share the most interesting information with you about these amazing people, but also, you know, their specialties, what it is that they bring to this world. So thank you so much for joining this week's guest is someone that really allowed me to get deep with her, and I love that. As an ambivert, I guess you might say, which truly, I think I'm quite the introvert. I just think that I was always you know, conditioned to be an extrovert, and I really do enjoy, you know, the crowds and the energy and those types of things, but only on my terms. <laughs> and my terms are few and far between. So, um, but as an introvert, I'm kind of allergic to the small talk. I don't like it. And yet I have felt, even in the midst of interviewing, that I kind of needed to kind of stay there a bit. So I've been growing, really extending myself getting more comfortable asking the questions I really want to ask. And I'm so grateful for the guests like today, Jen Mansell, who allows me to do so, who joins me in that, who is also a seeker and wants to go deeper. And I know you're going to love this interview. She brings so much wisdom. Her story is incredible. And yeah, I can't wait to dive in. So a little bit on the front end in regards to announcements. I have updated my Patreon. We are now at the next evolution, and I'm so excited. If you're on my email list, then you have received the information about that, the new benefits that are offered on my Patreon. This community is really starting to, you know, just like get to know each other and engage and share, and I'm so thankful for it. And I know that more is coming and I know each and every person who comes is meant to come. And that just makes my heart so happy. But um, if you want to take this conversation offline 
and extend it or geek out on certain things, make sure to come and join us in the Patreon community. We've got so many cool things happening. A lot more of me will be showing up in that community now. I'm going to be doing more lives that are hosted on Patreon. Things are just going to keep growing. And this is the next evolution, and I'm so excited about it. So I know there was something else, but I just really can't remember. So we're just going to kind of dive in today. Uh, Jen Mansell is a certified breathwork facilitator and somatic coach. She helps people reconnect with their inner wisdom and their bodies through the power of breath. Jen offers her services through a wide range of different opportunities. I have personally attended her workshop, her uh, breathwork workshops before, highly recommend. And it's so fascinating to me. I, I was really looking forward to this conversation because I have I have a lot of fear when it comes to breath work. Um, it's like, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I know will be so powerful for me and for my healing and for my own personal growth, but I'm like terrified of it. <laughs> and I've done it a couple of times and it's just like, man, this sucks until like the very end. And I wanted to be able to just like really talk to someone and be like, why does it suck so much? Why is it so hard? And um, just really understand it all better because I knew it would motivate me to start doing it more. And I know it's going to do the same for you. So make sure you hit me up on social media. You can find me soldierven at soldierven podcast. You can also shoot me an email soldiervenpodcast at gmail.com. I love, love, love hearing from you. And yeah, just let me know what you thought of this one. I'm so curious. Without further ado, enjoy. Welcome to the Soul Driven Podcast. I believe that when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. If you are searching for meaning and purpose, if you are unsure about how to combine the spiritual with the everyday, if you are ready to uncover who you truly are, then you've come to the right place. The Soul Driven Podcast is dedicated to exploring the intersection of living a soulful and spiritual life in a driven and ambitious world. Join me for practical guidance, truthful discussions, and interviews with people who are successfully living a soul-driven life. My name is Anna Hendricks, spiritual guide, marketer, and your host. Thank you for being here. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us for another soul-driven interview. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Jen Mansell, a certified breathwork facilitator and somatic coach who helps people reconnect with the inner wisdom of their bodies through the power of the breath. Her gift is bringing people together in safe spaces to have deeply transformational experiences that incorporate breathwork, meditation, movement, and music. Tell me I pronounced your last name right. Oh yeah, you nailed it. You did great. <laughs> yes. I got to get better at checking with names because I, I can just destroy them sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jen. I'm so excited to have you here. I've been wanting to geek out on breathwork for a while. I have a lot of questions. And so thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. 
<laughs> so a little bit of background on Jen. Um, I can't even remember how I came across you online. Um, it's the wonderful part of social media, right? But yeah. I signed up for one of your breathwork courses earlier this year, and um, which I loved. One of the big things I loved is like, you know, just to kind of kick it off, you had like a whole dance session. And I was mm. just like, this is the way to go <laughs> to like yeah. shake off those nerves on the front end. Um, Absolutely. So I wanted to have uh, Jen on the show. And of course, thank you for being here. So let's just dive in. Um, the first question I ask all of my guests, what makes you soul driven? Mm. Well, I guess for me now, I am, I, I would consider myself soul driven because I'm not really following so much of my mind's agenda and more so, um, you know, what my heart calls me to do and to create. And um, I really believe that I'm here, you know, for a reason to help support other people to walk the path of healing that I've been on for a while now. And so I just keep following. I just keep following the, uh, you know, like the crumb, <laughs> the breadcrumb trail. And I feel like um, that to me is, is what it means to follow your soul's calling is just to, you know, follow the next crumb and the next crumb and the next crumb and, and not have it all mapped out or, or planned out or, and it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun that way. So yeah, that's how I flow in my business and, and that's how I flow in my life as well. Which requires a lot of patience, right? Mm. I mean, because if you don't know where you're going necessarily, I mean, maybe you have like an overview, but you don't know how you're going to get there. And so it's just one crumb at a time. Like, how is it that you're able to kind of stay in that space without like jumping many steps ahead at a time or like getting really frustrated and maybe off course or? Yeah, I like to play with intention a lot. So um intention with non-attachment. So I, I love being like, okay, like one thing for me, I live in, in Toronto, deep in the city. And I know that I'm going to move back to the country. I grew up out in the, you know, more rural areas. I know I'm moving back there. I can see it. I can feel it. I have no clue when that's going to happen. And I try not to figure it out. And I, I, you know, don't attach myself to when and how it's going to happen. And yes, sometimes my mind goes there. But I try to just keep coming back to like, I have a deep knowing. I just know. That's that's what will happen when the timing is right. And um, it's this constant game of noticing when you're getting in your own way and holding on really tightly to things needing to be a certain way. And then kind of practicing like loosening your grip. And I mean, that's really why I love breathwork. And I know we're going to talk a whole bunch about breathwork today, but breathwork has really taught me um, how to be in the unknown, 
how to be in the unknown and to find a deep sense of trust that um, life is supporting our highest creation. I love that. I love that being in the unknown. Um, because <laughs> with my experiences of breathwork, that's exactly what it is. Exactly. Right? Um, so I, I want to come back to that. And, um, and I definitely like we're going to fully jump into breathwork, but I'd love to know more about you first and just have a better understanding of, you know, your background, your story. You mentioned a bit ago, like, you know, your healing story. I know from, of course, reading on your website, you've gone through a lot to come to this place. But um, if yeah. you could share with us, you know, some about your background and um, and how, you know, you came to this work. Yeah. I was, um, you know, quite sick as a child and I, you know, had a, a big spirit um, and a lot of energy and expression, but felt trapped in my body really um, because I had so many allergies and my God, you name it. I was basically a bubble child, like couldn't go outside, couldn't, you know, do all these things. I was very, very sensitive. Um, Did you have like something specific or were you just very allergic to a lot of things and very sensitive to life in general? <laughs> yeah. So I had an adverse reaction to um, a vaccine when I was 18 months old. Um, and so that kind of lit a inflammatory fire <laughs> in my body, we'll call it. And I had, um, really, really bad eczema. So rashes head to toe, um, which turned into like food allergies and asthma and it just kept going. And then it was digestive problems and then it was, it just it just kept going. And so by the time I was in my teenage years, I had been in and out and in and out of the hospital. I had done Western, you know, I'd, I'd walked far down the, the Western medical path. And I mean, maybe this goes back to being soul driven, but, um, you know, when I was 16, I had this, this knowing in myself that like, I, that, there were answers for me. Someone had answers for me and I was not going to give up. And so I told my parents I was going to seek alternative treatment like I knew what that was when I was 16. I don't know. I didn't know. Um, and two days later, I found like a, a newspaper clipping that said like the natural doctor. And I went to this man who I still think he's like a weird wizard. He lived in a cabin in the woods and like just had a little fireplace in his office. And I walked in there and I sat down and he said to me, you're not sick and your body can completely heal itself. And I just was like, I don't even know. That was the first time in my entire life that I felt like somebody gave me some kind of hope. Wow. So, I can't imagine what that must have been like after going through. Because, I mean, how did you even... Um, I used to get poison ivy really badly as a child. And, I mean, it was cool. I, I remember my, getting it on my face once, and my face swelled up so bad. And my mother was like, 
I understand what it would be like to have a deformed child. Like, I mean, it was yeah. awful. You know, I, would, I was super allergic to it. I can't imagine dealing with that for so many years. Like, I love that you had this hope inside of you at 16, but what like kind of kept you going through all of that? Cause that, that must've been hard, right? Yeah, it was very hard. Like, um, I think there's parts of me that like to forget about it. Um, but it was really hard on my self-esteem and, um, and I think it really separated me from actually like really connecting with people because I was having such an incredibly different inner world experience um, than other people were. And a lot of what helped me through, which is so interesting, is um, I got really, really good at self-soothing. Like I really learned how to soothe myself with music with movement, with dancing. I danced. I, um, I had a swing and a hammock and like I would just for hours like just soothe myself. And so, mm. um, you know, there's no surprise that I got into doing all of this somatic work because it was like what I was doing instinctively to help manage my discomfort. That's incredible. Um, yeah. Are you, do you have siblings? Yeah, I have a younger sister. Okay. She, of course, did not have any health problems. So <laughs> always the case with siblings, you know. Um, one is chocolate and one is vanilla. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was it was really a rough ride. And, and I, I think because of that, I didn't always get to be a kid, you know. I had a lot to think about. I couldn't just you know, here's a small example. I couldn't just go and sleep over at someone's house because I was probably allergic to their laundry detergent. So I couldn't mm. sleep in their bed. I couldn't use their towels. I had to like, you know, if I was going to go to a friend's house, I'd had to take my own sheets and like all sorts of things. So it was a lot. It was a lot. But I was, I don't know, somehow fiercely determined to be free, I think. Yeah. And to feel like I didn't have to every single day be like managing my symptoms. Yeah, it sounds like you had, you know, and this sounds trite, I feel like, but it sounds like you had that light inside of you, you know, that was just kind of like, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. This isn't going to be forever. It's not always yeah. going to. So when you met this gentleman at 16 and he was like, you're not sick, how did, how, how was he able to help you? Yeah, he was like a super old school homeopath and naturopath and herbalist. And he would mix me up all kinds of concoctions and things. And, um, and you know, what he gave me in my first time visiting him within two weeks, I was like almost 50% better. Wow. Um, and it wasn't fancy things, you know, it was like probiotics and simple things like that, that just no one else had knew to give to me. Um, and so I continued to go back every single week. My parents paid for me to go every week. And eventually I, I apprenticed with him. Basically, I was just, I wanted to learn everything that he, that he knew. So he taught me a lot. He taught me a lot about healing and the body and 
detoxif- a lot about detoxification and how do you support the body to just get rid of the stuff it doesn't need any longer. Um, and then from there, I was, you know, obviously fascinated about the stuff. I studied food science. Um, I studied holistic nutrition, kind of went down this path of like physical healing first because I needed to physically heal. Well, and he must have been such a, I mean, how long did you study with him? I mean, I was 16, so I don't know if it was like proper studying, but <laughs> I showed up at his cabin, you know, you're every You're like, week. I'm here, I'm not leaving, I want to know. <laughs> tell me about... Tell me about <laughs> I would have been following him around too. <laughs> and he was like, you know, he was into some weird shit, so <laughs> it was quite interesting. So I went to him from the time I was 16 till I was, you know, into my 20s um, over a number of years. And what happened to me during that time was very um, intense because the only way to manage uh, eczema that they currently have is covering your body in um, steroid creams. I went through something called um, toxic steroid withdrawal, which no one tells you about. Um, when you stop using the creams like cortisone creams, um, then your body, um, basically like goes into panic because you've, you've suppressed all the inflammation. You stop taking them or using them and your whole body then has to like detox from all of the steroids. So I went through like five years of, um, my face would like double in size and swell up and my eyes would swell shut. And like, it was, it was awful. (laughs) It was really awful. Um, and that was a really long journey and it kept me very motivated to continue to find ways to, um, get out of the suffering. Yeah. My, my, my sister, my younger sister, she, um, she has colitis and when it gets really out of control, she has to go on steroids and it's just steroids are so intense for the body. I mean, that's just, that's huge. Um, So I'm curious, like what was, what did it feel like to go from studying with him or whatever, you know, to jumping into like, school studying or those kinds of because I've heard so many people go into these programs and then just get completely disenchanted with the entire industry so I'm curious what that switch must have been like for you yeah I think it was um I always talk to people who've gone through uh school to study nutrition and I always tell this joke it's it's true but I think it's a joke it's like the night before my last exam at nutrition school. I sat on my porch eating chips and smoking cigarettes because I was so stressed out. (laughs) I was so stressed out and so overwhelmed because, you know, when you deep dive into learning about health and all this stuff, it can get very confusing and very overwhelming as to like, you know, you can, I just felt like everything is bad. You know, I can't eat anything. I can't do anything. I don't even know what to do anymore, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that journey was, I, 
I always say changed my life, gave me like the fundamentals of nutrition that I will have with me my entire life that I have passed on to family members and people in my community. Um, but it's certainly, you know, when I got out in the world and started to practice and work with people, I started to realize very quickly that um, helping people change how they feel and how they are in the world is, you know, requires so much more than just telling them to eat broccoli and, you know, don't drink so much coffee. It's so much deeper. And I uh, was lucky enough while I was at nutrition school to meet this woman who was an energy healer. Um, and she taught us a class called psychology of disease. And she was like, she was like channeling our classes, all sorts of stuff. Um, and I was just, once again, I was like, I don't know who this woman is or what the <laughs> hell she's talking about, but I am so into it. Um, and then I apprenticed with her for a while. So, um, you know, that taught me all about the world of energy healing and things. And then I eventually from there went on to, um, to train in life coaching because I was working at this women's clinic, you know, doing nutrition session after nutrition session. And really like these women wanted to talk about their kids, how they can't sleep, you know, the fights they're having with their husband, why can't he just change? And they want to talk about their stress and their relationship struggles and their inner struggles. And, you know, I felt so ill-equipped to um, help them in that regard, but knew that if I could, then they could probably actually make the physical changes that they wanted to. So, because it's yeah. all, I mean, it's all like, that's the root of it, right? I mean, you can, it's like going with the doctor and, and just, you know, them just handing you pills. They're not getting to the root of what's actually going on. They're just treating what is, you know? So maybe yeah. it helps someone change their diet for a certain amount of time, but they've got all the emotional stuff, then <laughs> it's not going to last very long. Um, yeah, Exactly. Exactly. And I think like as I peeled the layers back on my own healing journey and started to realize like, oh, it's not just, you know, it's not just drinking green juice and doing colonics. Like I, I was doing all those things and I wasn't getting better. Hmm. And, are you still talking um, about like the eczema or are you talking about like, um, like emotionally, mentally or... Yeah, I was still struggling physically. Like I had made a lot of progress, but, you know, it took me five years to detox all the steroids. And then after that, it was like my body was still in a pretty rough state. Um, it was more stabilized, but I was still having a lot of issues. So I finally got to this place where I was like, okay, I'm doing everything right but I'm not getting better. <laughs> I know about that place so much. <laughs> yeah. Ultimate frustration. Ultimate frustration. Yeah. Because it's like our mind, I talk about this a lot with breath work. It's like our mind loves to dominate and control our body or thinks it can, which is this like illusion. And so I really got into this pattern of 
you know, if I just do all the things right and I do, you know, all the saunas and all the this and that and and I'm very rigid, then my body's going to respond. And I've since learned that like the body's doing its own damn thing and it does what it does when it's ready. And the best thing you can do is get your head out of the way. Stop trying to control it and fix it and dominate it and change it. And let your body do what it is already knows how to do and give it the support that it needs to keep doing that. Mm, I really like that. Yeah. The, the, um, Ashley, who, uh, you and I were kind of, you know, briefly speaking before this about your being a somatic coach and, um, Ashley, who I've, who I'd interviewed, um, a couple months back, she really talked about how, and I love this. Oh, I will definitely hook you up with her because she's amazing. I think you will really enjoy her work, but she's, she brings a whole new perspective to embodiment that I just haven't seen before. But mm -hmm. one of the big things that I loved and walked away from that conversation with that I'm still going back to constantly is like, my body isn't my enemy it is constantly just trying to rebalance for me and trying to work with me, you know? And that's such a massive mind shift for me because, you know, as women, of course, I mean, like, whether I think you're dealing with something like eczema, I just feel like that adds to it. But like you grow up in this world where you're supposed to look one way and do one thing and, and, and whatever the case may be. So there's already that. And then if you have a mother who's not happy with her body, then that's piled on. And then like, you know what I mean? It just keeps going. So you have all of these ideas. And then of course, if you've been dealing with sickness and I have on and off my entire life as well, um, you really come to a place where you think like, my body is just out to destroy me. You know, and like with autoimmune disorders, they're like your body's eating itself away, you know, and it's like you get this whole mentality going on. Um, so I love that you shared that because I just I know that like just in speaking with Ashley and her just kind of throwing that out there. I mean, I've just like, you know, like chewed on that and chewed on that and like have started like replaying it in my mind. But that's a that's yeah. a big evolution, I think, in regards to perspective change you know, for massive. someone. Massive. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, um, I see this so much in the clients that I work with this, um, feeling like their body is against them and is like the enemy and won't do what it wants them to do. And, um, and yeah, something really big and powerful shifts when you, um, reconnect it's like you reestablish that new relationship of, hey, I respect you. When you have symptoms, I listen because I know that's how you speak to me. When you have pain, I listen because I know that's how you're getting my attention. You know, oh, something is inflamed. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that be a sign that you need something that maybe can support you to work with that. Like, it's a totally different relationship and, you know, on my journey back to that harmonious relationship, I really had to work through a lot of my own trauma 
around, you know, there were many moments and many times in my life that I felt like um, a lot of fear, like I was going to die. You know, once I, I was with a bunch of friends at a cabin way out in the middle of nowhere and I had an asthma attack and everyone was drunk and no one could drive me anywhere. So I drove myself to the hospital, which was like 40 minutes from where we were not breathing, barely breathing. So like I had some really scary moments that part of the reason that we float up into our heads and we disconnect from our bodies in the first place is because we experience things that are scary, that are big, scary, overwhelming feelings. And we decide that it's probably safer just to hang out up here instead of actually being in our bodies because that's where the pain lives and the fear lives and the sadness and the grief and the anger. Yeah, all the emotions that we're taught not to feel, you know, and and that hold us back or make us crazy or, you know, whatever, whatever we've been told. Mm -hmm. Um, So you went through this process and became a life coach. So where, where was it that you discovered breath work? Yeah. I was working in the coaching industry for a number of years, doing all sorts of different things, working with all sorts of other different people. Um, And along that journey, I was running retreats with other women who were practitioners and coaches and, um, and came across breathwork. I got asked actually to co-facilitate a breathwork experience for 30 women. And I had no idea what breathwork was. Um, but my amazing colleague, uh, Samantha Skelly at the time was like, like, no, you're going to be great. You're like, just follow your intuition. Like she gave me the very cool notes of like what was going to happen. And, um, (laughs) you've got the voice for it. You can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I remember being in that room, the women were doing three breathworks in one weekend on a retreat. And, um, it was like one of the most powerful experiences of my life to be in a woman in a room with 30 women you know everyone is just like in their own experience but together and moving through like really deep layers of stuff that they've been you know maybe holding on to for years and years and years maybe their whole lifetime and getting to um experience firsthand the feeling and the power of giving people space to really move all the way through something and the the look on their faces like on the other side the brightness the light the like freedom I just like could never forget that experience. And I just remember my, <laughs> I felt so much energy in my body. I thought I was going to pass out. <laughs> Were you really? participating? No, I was like co-facilitating. So like I was really holding space and just like going around and like doing little bits of body work and checking in with people and whatever. Um, but I just remember like, the energy rising in the room and I was like, Oh my God, this is so intense. Um, but I, I just loved it. And I felt something just clicked in that moment. And then, you know, it was a number of years before I ever came back to it. Um, but then I, I studied for nine months and then I did a 
ton of breath work myself and it really like unlocked something for me on my own healing journey. It was like, uh, once I figured it out, it was, it was literally a key in a lock and just went and all of the, all of the old, all of the stuff around being a sick kid and all of my fear and my dad's mental health and like all of it just poured, it just poured out. And I had no idea that I was holding all that in, but I can, you know, I now know how, um, how deeply connected our symptoms are, our body symptoms are with our emotional state and our emotional you know, I hate this word, but like baggage, the stuff that's just hanging out unprocessed in our system. It's like undigested food material. If we don't take intentional time to digest it, it just piles up and piles up and kind of rots away in our system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to, so before we jump into breath work too much, I'd love to maybe kind of take a little step back and just, if you could define it for us, you know, for folks who don't know what breath work is. I mean, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people have heard about breath work, but like the first time I took a breath work class, I had no idea what I was signing up for. <laughs> it was just like breath work. I'm feeling the pull, give it a try see how this goes. And it was just like, on the other side, I didn't even know what had happened. Um, yes. But yeah, if you could define it for us. Of course. Yeah, I think there are, um, you know, breathwork has gained a lot of popularity over the past year. And I think some people get a little bit confused about, you know, what it means or what it is, because there are kind of two schools of thought around breathwork or two types. So there's you know, functional breathing, which some of you might heard of, have heard of, um, you know, like box breathing or four, seven, eight breathing or like certain uh, types of breathing that will elicit a specific nervous system response. Those are the types of breathing that you might practice during the day or they might help you fall asleep or, you know, you might do them before you prepare for an, an interview or something like that. So there's the, that side of breath work and that can be, that's kind of your more like day-to-day -day way that you would practice breathing to improve your breathing. Okay. Then there's another type of breath work, which is typically it's um, called conscious connected breathing. That's the breathing style. Conscious connected breathing means you breathe typically in through your mouth, into your belly in a, um, continuous circular flowing breath. And this breath has been studied since the 60s and 70s. The guy who created it, his name is Stanislav Grof. And he was actually doing uh, research with psychedelics and specifically with LSD and was helping people get into altered states of consciousness where they were having spontaneous healings, go figure, you know, releasing old trauma from their bodies and, and um, really having, having deep awakenings. And when, you know, they, they were getting close to the end of a lot of their research and they were told, you know, it was, it was um, made illegal, you couldn't use it anymore um, in therapeutics or anything. 
uh, Stan somehow uh, discovered that people, when they were doing their LSD journeys, would breathe in this specific pattern. And it's also the pattern that most people um, breathe in when they're transitioning to the other side when they're dying. Um, it's also a breathing pattern that comes up in like very interesting ways in, in people's lives. And so he started to do tests with people to see what would happen if we just had them breathe this way and started to realize that, oh, wow, interesting. People can access very similar altered states of consciousness as they would taking a psychedelic just by breathing. So hmm. this was the specific breathing form. And one of the original types of breathwork is called holotropic breathwork. That's Stan's breathwork. Um, and conscious connected breathing was the breath practice that was done. Typically, this breathing is done to music over the course of about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, current days, it used to be way longer, like three hours. <laughs> Intense, yes. Wow. <laughs> My partner and I went and did that one one time. That's a whole other <laughs> story. Um, but yeah, it's usually done over 45 minutes to an hour with music. There's like rough guidance. And what happens is you breathe in this way. You let your breath build up. You hyper-oxygenate your body. You deplete your CO2 stores. And your mind eventually shifts in from kind of a survival me-focused state into a more flowing, open, creative state of mind, which is where basically you can kind of have big epiphanies um, or emotional releases or things like that. It's kind of like your mind goes like offline a little bit and then your body gets to just speak and um, process what it hasn't been able to because your mind has kept it all, you know, under lock. Interesting. So is that kind of why it's so powerful? Because it kind of, you know, turns your brain off for a bit, gives it a break, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all of us have, we all have um, our own defensive system. So our way that our mind protects us and keeps us safe. It, we all have it. This is how we survive. You know, if you one time put your hand on the stove and burnt your, burnt your hand, every time you go near the stove, your mind is very smart. It's going to tell your body, not safe. Don't go near that. Don't touch it. Don't do it. Bad. Um, which is, you know, that's great in a lot of areas of life. But the problem becomes, you know, when we grow up and we have experiences of, you know, my dad tells me to be quiet when I'm loud and I'm singing. And then for the rest of your life, it's every time you want to like be loud or raise your voice or express, you like shut it down. Your defense mechanisms shut it down. So breathwork helps us to consciously and intentionally move past our defensive system um, so that we can access all the other things and parts of us and emotion that um, that's actually in there beyond the defenses, 
which most of us on the day-to-day, we're just running on autopilot. Yeah. We don't even realize. It's like the the stronger that my meditation practice has gotten, the more I just catch myself in trance. You know, it's just like, really? Where where were you? Like, really? Like, I'm constantly having to pull myself back. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to know. So I've done uh, two breathwork classes now their workshops um one prior to yours and then yours as well and i <laughs> it was so hard <laughs> it sucked <laughs> and yeah. i always joke with my friends i'm like breath work is insane but it sucks like it's hard mm. like mm. what is is that the defense system like what is that that's like it's not that my body thinks or freaks out about not being able to breathe. Um, It's more so that I get caught up in this loop of like, am I doing this right? Oh, I'm not doing this right. Oh, you know what I mean? And then it just gets exhausting. Um, And then I'm, and then I don't even know if I'm doing it right in the brain. Right. And it's not usually until like the very end until I kind of chill is that mm-hmm. normal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up because this is a very, you know, this is a very normal experience. So for the first eight to 10 minutes of breath work, we're just building up your oxygen stores. And during that time, the mind, it's like, it kind of knows that we're going into things, you know, we're starting to like welcomes some of this emotion up to the surface. So a little side tangent here. The the way that we first learn to manage our emotions and our emotional state when we're young is through not breathing. So when we start to welcome in, you know, big, deep breaths, the mind is like, oh, shit. She's going into her feels. Do you know where we've learned that from or have an idea? Because I mean, I I definitely know that to be true. I'm just curious if you've come across any kind of research or anything. I, I mean, I think it really comes from if you didn't grow up in an environment that encouraged your emotional expression, which most of us didn't, when things come up, we just get good at like holding tension in our bodies, holding tight, collapsing, and holding our breath. You yeah. can watch pe- you can watch people do it. It's it's very interesting. Oh, for sure. Uh, I, I see it very often with uh, with clients, and I mean, I experience it as well. I would think too. Kind of what's coming up for me right now is just like, especially for those of us who've experienced like trauma, you know, in our childhood, mm-hmm. that yeah. like what you're talking about earlier, disconnect that like just hoping that it's going to hurry up and be over. And so we're up here in our head and like holding our breath. So yeah, when we hold our breath, um, we can't feel in the same way. Yeah, for sure. Because emotions are energy in motion. So we take away the motion. That's a quotable. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. 
So for the first eight to 10 minutes, it's kind of like, this is the way I like to describe it. It's like your mind has all these guards, okay? And there's like a big brick wall with a gate, okay? So there's all these gatekeepers. And then on the other side is like all these, you know, stuff from your past you're still holding on to. The first eight to 10 minutes, we're trying to kind of like slowly get through the gate to the other side. So as we, as we, you know, approach the gate and we're starting to like move into deeper feelings, your mind will, will play amazing games on you. Cause it's, I just, I say amazing because it's like, this happens with everyone. It's like, it either wants to obsess about, am I, I'm not doing it right. Or what mine does is nothing's going to happen. Like this isn't going to work this time. <laughs> Nothing. I'm not going to get anywhere. You know, is it still oh. like that for you? Still. Yes. Oh. Yes. The mind is relentless with its resistance. But what, what breathwork has taught me, um, and this is how it ties into what I said earlier about like being in the unknown, breathwork has taught me that your mind will always be resistant to feeling and that we can override the resistance. And it sometimes takes a little practice to get better at letting go and get better at surrendering to your body. The place that we're all like yearning and craving to be is like that free place without thoughts where we're in our body, our body's alive. We can feel it all, but our mind has no chatter. And that's where breath work can take you. And it takes some work to get past the the guards and the guards are there for a good reason. You know, you, you've gone through a lot. It's just that now that you're probably an adult, you probably have emotional, you know, capabilities and are, are able to actually be with what's on the other side of that wall. You don't actually need the guards anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think the brain, like, you know, it has a function, it serves a function, but I truly feel like, you know, the body is so much wiser and is so much more capable of being in flow with us. So being able to turn it off, it's, it's helpful for me to know and just to kind of, as you were talking, me think like, okay, it's just kind of a, my overachievers like, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> going to be in like anything that I'm doing, like, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Um, which yeah. is pretty comical, actually, kind of thinking about it. It's like, really, you don't have like another loop. That's that's your loop. <laughs> but get this, your overachiever is a protection mechanism that you created at some point in your life when you felt deep pain, probably around not being good enough, failing. Um, You know, I'm sure there's a moment or something happened and then your system said, we're never going to feel that again. I never want to feel that again. Yeah. So my mind is always going to make sure that I'm doing it right and doing it the best. Yes. Enneagram three, the achiever. Mm. Yeah. Have you heard Brene Brown's definition of perfection? 
I couldn't quote it, but I do love her her book of Im- book of imperfection. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I can't quote it perfectly either. But I, the first time I heard it, it was just like, you know, those hardcore truths just hits you. And she basically just says, you know, being a perfectionist is just wanting to not feel shame right just wanting to cover up prevent yourself from feeling any kind of shame and i was just like oh yes that's exactly it exactly it that pain of not feeling worthy or whatever the case may be um so what when did you get into i mean it feels like it goes so hand in hand the somatic coaching with the breath work Mm -hmm. um how did you navigate into that? Or I feel like they're kind of one and the same, you know, I would think that that would be like the, the beautiful evolution of wanting to expand on breath work. Absolutely. Yeah. Breath work is a somatic modality. Somatic just means body based. <clears throat> so, you know, you can do therapy or you can do different things, meditation, like breath work is a body-based meditation. So um, when I was like, I knew I had a deep sense that I needed to work. Okay. Backstory. I'm a very kinesthetic person. (laughs) So this kind of pieces it all together. (laughs) Like I sucked at school. I I couldn't read. I couldn't write. (laughs) But like have me do something with my hands and like make things and feel it out and that's just me. So I really knew that on my healing path that I wasn't going to be a person that was going to go to therapy and whatever and just sit and like chat, you know. Um, I needed to move things through my body. I needed to express things. I knew that my expression was going to be my medicine. And so I started doing all sorts of like very out there, different like therapeutic modalities. Um, One of them is called core energetics and um, bioenergetics and breathwork goes along with that. And all of them are really um, focused on your body, you know, much like we said many times in this podcast that your body has intelligence, your body knows what it needs, knows what to do. It's always trying to rebalance itself. We just get in the way and we protect it from doing what it innately knows to do. And so all of this work was really about like, how do we get through the resistance so that your body can just do what it needs to do to heal? Um, And so you know, through that journey, I learned many different somatic modalities and mindfulness based practices um, to work with people in a body focused way. So my coaching practice now, we interweave breath work into it. But my coaching practice is really focused on helping people get reconnected to their bodies and to learn how to listen again, and to learn how to live um, from this integrated place where their mind and their body are working together. And why is embodiment so important, you know, from your perspective, like what is the, what Mm. is the main reason that we need to be embodied or like, why do you view it as 
Yeah. So crucial. <laughs> That's cool. I just, sometimes I get these downloads, you know, and it just pops into my head. Um, and it takes me back to the first question you asked around, you know, what makes you soul driven? And I really believe that our souls come here, you know, and I've had to question this a lot. Like, why am I here? This is so painful. Like, why did I choose to come here? And I really believe now after being through, you know, going through so much in this body that we are here to feel. Why would we be in this physical body if we weren't meant to feel things? I tell this story about like, I imagine that like, all the souls are out there in the in-between just floating around being like, please let me go be in a body, please. And then, you know, we show up here and we're in a body and we're like, oh my God, you know, it's cold. <laughs> it's too much. It's, it's too much. Like, I don't feel all of this. Um, and so I, I really think that embodiment's important because the the leaders that we need in on this planet at this time are people who are connected to their hearts, who can feel pain, who can feel shame, um, and who have integrated their own past so that they can show up to create a future in a new way. Yes. I think that's the definition of a leader, from, right? Yeah. If you're just doing that from your chin up, then your mind can only create the things that it experienced already. I love so that. I think it's really, really important. And, um, and I think when that's why we, such a huge wave of it. Yes. I, I wonder when we got, I wonder like, cause I'm sure for many of us, you know, for lifetimes, we've been cutting this off. Like, I wonder when that happened, because I have to, I'm curious, you know, and obviously we can't answer this, but like, you know, the first time, like, when did we decide to stop feeling, you know, because it can't yeah. have just been in this lifetime, right? I feel like, mm. I mean, I know for myself, I look at my human design, I think it's channel 40, like I'm legitimately in this lifetime to become embodied, like that is yeah. like, part of one of my life lessons. Um, mm -hmm. So clearly that's a huge thing that I'm meant to do, you know? Um, but like, I know I didn't, it didn't just happen in this lifetime. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking out loud here. <laughs> yeah. I really think that, you know, I mean, this is just one of kind of my like current perspective on things, but I really believe that the indigenous people of this planet, you know, that li lived here long ago, were very in touch with the earth. The, the body is like the earth. And they were connected to spirit and they were connected to earth. And, you know, when colonization happened, it was like a big, a big, um, time of like the masculine domination overpowering the feminine like the feminine energy is the body the the feminine energy is is spirit is earth and so i think that the disconnection 
from our bodies happened when the whole planet stopped connecting to the earth. That makes and total sense. We've been on this masculine journey for a while now of, you know, capitalism and oppression of of women and domination and I really think we're in a time now where we're being called back. We're being called back to our bodies and back to the earth. Yeah, for sure. I, I know like just within myself, like over the past two years, um, and I know that, you know, the pandemic had a, port, a part of that, but I've always loved the earth and the planet and being outside. And I mean, animals are perfect beings to me. And, um, but you know, when I see what's happening to our planet right now and the things that are going on, like it just, it hits me on a completely different level these days. It feels very deep and very personal. Um, so mm -hmm. in the work that you're doing with, with your clients to reconnect with themselves and their bodies, like what, you know, through you, through breath work, but what else are you doing? And I'm sure that there's a wide variety of clients that come to you with backgrounds and traumas and those kinds of things, but kind of as a general, like, is it really hard for people to reconnect? Mm. Um, yeah, I think it is. It is hard because, you know, depending on what you've experienced in your lifetime, the ways that we have learned to cope and avoid our feelings and avoid our bodies, um, like we talked about the guards and the protectors, like your protection can be so strong. It's hard to reconnect. So my approach is really like, hey, you're not walking into my office and we're going into your deepest stuff. We're going we're gonna to understand why you haven't been able to access it and why you can't get there. We're going to create safety and trust and understand your mind and how your mind is keeping you protected and safe. And as you start to understand that, then you know, these little parts of you that have been hurt and gone through, you know, overwhelming things, they start to like come out. They're like, hey, like I'm in here. Remember when you were three years old and you felt abandoned and all alone because your mom left? I'm still here. And so I think a lot of practitioners and a lot of people try and take people like right into the, into the nitty gritties and you're bypassing the fact that the mind is very smart and has its whole own system going on. And, you know, it's kind of like breaking into a building that has a security system. Well, you can go into the basement and go digging around, but you're going to get booted out very quickly. So you have to learn how to dismantle the alarm system. I just happen to know, you know, how these systems are set up. After working with so many people and work, working with myself, I have a really good knowing now of how we set up our protection systems. Yeah. 
Well, it sounds like you know the security guards. <laughs> We're tight. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, come on, can you give her a little bit of a... <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, I know like in um, you know the hypnotherapy that I've been doing when I first started doing hypnotherapy, it was so wild for me to see you know, these protective parts of myself coming forward and just like, not really having this right now, you know, like at the very beginning. Um, and then still seeing like certain blocks, you know, popping up over certain areas. And I was just completely like in awe of my hypnotherapist and the way that, you know, the patience that he had and that ability to just be kind and tender and open and, you know, with all these different parts of me that, we're just doing their job, you know, but yeah. weren't serving me and, um, yeah, you know, and, and didn't need to protect me in those ways. So mm -hmm. I have like the highest respect mm -hmm. <laughs> for those who can work with the gatekeepers because <laughs> yes. Yes. it takes something special. I mean, I was just, yeah, completely in awe of him. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm curious and, um, I want to, you know, kind of start wrapping up here to be respectful of your time, but I'm curious too, in regards to like naming feelings, like, is that something that's very difficult for your clients? Like really being able to understand what it is they feel versus just like emotion reaction. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Cause I know yeah. within myself, again, I've had so many issues with my body like you. I mean, I still have days where it's just like, get me out of here. Just get me out of here. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's one of the things that has been really uh, difficult for me to start connecting with is like, what am I feeling versus just like, ah. yeah, yeah. One, one little trick that I'll teach you and your audience um, that's sometimes easier. So when here's the funny thing when you ask yourself or i ask you how are you feeling you actually go to your head your head starts to go well how am i feeling <laughs> and then it goes into all of these labels right we've we've made all these labels for certain types of sensations in our body like sad angry whatever so what i have people do and when i'm working with my clients what i do is I say, you know, what do you notice in your body right now? And they might say, uh, it's tight in my chest. Okay, great. Perfect. Do you want to describe what the tightness feels like? Yeah, it feels like I'm being like I'm holding on to something. I'm holding it really tight. It's like really gripping. And then I'll just literally have them breathe into that place and then most times the emotion underneath that's there will start to release itself. We don't actually have to understand it. We don't have to understand it. The mind wants to label it and be like, oh, this is anger from when I was 11 and this happened. And you don't actually have to, to let things go. I think that's the brilliant part of breath work is like, you can just breathe for 45 minutes and cry your eyes out or just scream or let all sorts of energy out and you don't necessarily have to know exactly what it's about. So when you notice the sensation in your body, 
that's usually where the emotion is being held. And then you can just give it some space and, you know, stay focused on the sensation. Usually from there, things will unravel and reveal themselves. So the emotion starts to come up. The person might say something like, oh, I remember like every time I, whatever, like every time I leave my house, I feel this feeling. Or I remember when I was this age and this came up for me. Your body starts to kind of show you and guide you along. So yeah, it's hard to, um, it's only after practice that we get better at being like, you know, this is this emotion or this is that. And I think the best way to start is to notice the sensations in your body and get better at allowing them to be there and trust that on the other side of feeling it, you'll know what it is. Yeah. So it's a, an awareness is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the, like when you're talking about breathing into it, is there a specific way to breathe into it or just, you know, inhale, exhale, yeah, just nice slow breath. It can be really simple, however feels good. I would say, you know, in through your nose, out through your mouth is kind of good. Just giving it some space. And the cool thing is, you know, say you feel that constriction in your chest and you let some of the emotion move through and you start to have a bit more of an understanding of like, oh, you know, I realize now. No, you froze. Um, going to the doctor, this comes up. Then when you feel that sensation in the future. Oh, no. You froze. <laughs> Shoot. Okay. You can, you um, can edit that part out. Okay. Yeah, if you want to start over. <laughs> okay. You were talking about like when the emotion comes up. Yeah, so like if you get to know the sensation in your body that um, that's there often, you build a relationship to it. And then when it pops up again, instead of labeling it, you know, we get into these traps where it's like, I'm anxious. You know, I hear that a lot. I'm anxious. I'm overwhelmed. It's like, okay, you're overwhelmed. What does the sensation feel like in your body? Feels like my brain's going to explode. Okay, great. Let's stay there. What's the pressure feel like? you know, can we move it? Can we move the energy that's there? Can we um, give it some space? Can we imagine it's like, like releasing through a pop bottle? Um, then you can start to build a relationship that's more open to the sensations and less like I need to label it so I can control it so I can tell it how to be and what to do, so I can decide if it's acceptable or not. I love that. Yeah, yeah. that's really helpful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I can see that, like, where the, I mean, I don't even really like labels in my own life, um, so I can definitely see where that could, plus if it's not maybe that, then you might be creating more of that by labeling it, I would mm -hmm. assume. Um, yeah. so 
before we jump into our lightning round or closeout questions, mm -hmm. I would just love to ask you if you could share with us, you work with people in a variety of different ways. Um, if you could just yeah. share with us those different ways um, for folks who are definitely going to want to contact you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so I have monthly group uh, breathwork circles, which you've come to. I actually have one uh, this Friday and I'll have one next month. And, um, those are just, it's 90 minutes. You come from, you jump on zoom, come at your house, you set things up, get a, get headphones, maybe a yoga mat blanket, and you'll do breath work through the internet. Um, this is the best way to kind of like get a taste of it, uh, and, and try your hand at it. And it's done in community. So there's usually about 80 to 100 people there. So we're all gathered together and that's really fun. And that's a great way to try it out. And then from there, I have a eight-week uh, women's program that will launch again in the fall. There's currently a wait list if you want to get on that. Um, but that takes us through eight weeks of like different themes that we explore. And each week we're really understanding ourselves deeper through the practice of breathwork. So it's a real deep dive into this practice. And um, there's like, you know, recordings that you have each week to do as a daily practice and writings and journal prompts and all sorts of stuff. It's really fun. So there's that. And then I work with people privately um, to do breathwork sessions and then also to do deeper somatic coaching work. So I have lots of different levels of um, working with people and I'm working on building out uh, a library of recordings and different things for people to, to access so they can do more of their own journeys at home. But yeah, I, uh, I would be really excited to connect or to work with anyone that uh, hears this and feels like a calling or a <laughs> spark. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, embodiment, I mean, who can it, who can't it uh, benefit? That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly on my own journey as well. Um, all right, my dear. Well, Let's do the lightning round. You got me psyched up for the lightning <laughs> round. Here we go. Um, okay. <laughs> Number one. Yeah. What is the one habit you can't live without? Currently drinking sparkling water. It's a, it's a good slash bad COVID habit that I've picked up. And I'm just like, look, it's right here. I can't stop with the sparkling water. <laughs> it's yeah it's real um number two what does spirituality mean for you this, these are deep questions okay <laughs> spirituality means to me um just having a belief in something greater beyond this 3d existence and um for me, it's about having practices that continue to connect me to this, the, the something beyond myself. Um, yeah, that's, that's the simplest form I could put it in at this moment. <laughs> There's no wrong answer. It's the best part. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, number three, what is your advice to someone who is looking to find purpose? Mm. This was me for a long time. Um, let your personal journey of growth and healing bring you to your purpose. You can't just go out and find purpose. Purpose has to come through you. And it comes through your own journey of knowing yourself. And then once you've taken that journey, you can give back and that will become purposeful. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, okay. Last question. It's really huge. Where can people connect with you online? <laughs> Amazing. Whew. I felt many sensations in my body leading up to that. Um, you can connect with me two places. One is on Instagram, JL Mansell, at JL Mansell. Um, or my website, jenmansell.com. There's lots of info on there. Yeah, you have a great website. Thank you. I made it myself. And a fabulous photographer. <laughs> oh, luckily he's my partner in shine. So <laughs> I have an unfair advantage in that department, I will say. Yeah, you sent me some gorgeous photos. You're like, you can choose one. I'm like, <laughs> I'm still using photos from like four years ago. That, because <laughs> yeah, he's he's an incredible photographer. Well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very I'm very grateful for him, and hopefully, will always have nice photos of myself. Yeah, I think it's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us, Jen. It was such a pleasure to have you. I feel like I didn't get half my answers or <laughs> questions answered, but that's totally okay. <laughs> um, we took this so much deeper and I, I love that. So thank you so much for your time and, and sharing your experience and wisdom with the Soul Driven community. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Absolutely. All right, folks, if you were inspired by today's interview, be sure to hit me up on social media, send me an email, definitely leave a review on iTunes and subscribe. Don't forget to check out the Soul Driven Collective, a spiritually curious community, or you can sign up for the email list to receive podcast updates and helpful resources. And as always, when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. Until next week. Bye.